when you start talking about sharing the gospel and telling others about Jesus, I think it is pretty common to feel uh, timidity, reservation, fear and trembling, uh, sheer stark terror or something in between of those kind of ideas of, of Okay, you want me to go tell other people about what God has done for us. One of the things that I think is important to know that the scriptures reveal that uh, we're not the only ones who feel that way. Uh, So many of God's workers had the exact same concerns and exact same fears. You might remember Moses, who's basically saying, you've got the wrong guy, and starts laying out all the excuses why he can't do it. Joshua's in the same boat. He has to be told repeatedly, be strong and courageous, Joshua, about doing the work that is that is uh, offered and given to you. Uh, the apostle Peter repeatedly at different times of his life sees himself as unworthy of being able to go out and carry out the mission. Paul calls himself uh, chief of sinners, how could he possibly be one to go about do, doing this task? Jeremiah proclaims, I'm just a boy. Uh, this is not something I can do. And here, even in, in Ezekiel, you have Ezekiel also having the same difficulties that God has to offer him encouragement to go out and do the work to be his ambassador and proclaim the good news of what God is ultimately going to do at the end, but also speak some pretty severe words of judgment to the people as well. Ezekiel chapters 2 and 3 lay out the commissioning of Ezekiel, and this commissioning is very relevant to us. Uh, The things that God tells Ezekiel are things that we can absolutely apply to our lives, and we will see those New Testament connections where we're going to notice these pictures about how we cannot be afraid. Tonight you're going to notice with me that you have God telling Ezekiel four reasons why he should not be afraid to go about the task of talking to the people who are in exile about the judgment that is to come, but also the great hope that is to follow after that. And so you're going to get four pictures of why not to be afraid and one picture of how we're supposed to be able to do this. And this uh, ability to do it is is given first in the first two verses of Ezekiel 2. And then the four reasons to not be afraid follow in chapters 2 and 3. Notice the beginning that is given here in chapter 2. And you'll notice in verse 1 it says, He said to me, O mortal... Stand up on your feet and I will speak with you. And when he spoke to me, the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. This is this is quite a beginning that is given to Ezekiel. And it's important to note that most translations read son of man. And of course, that is a Hebrew idiom that is pretty much lost on us. And in fact, it's almost counterproductive because if you're someone who's grown up in the pews or a Christian, you hear son of man, you immediately default to Jesus. And that's not what he's calling Ezekiel right here. This is an idiom, idiom, a son of a man is a man. And so a mortal human being is what is being conjured here. Now, remember chapter one, 
was the astounding glory of God, just unbelievable majesty of God in trying to generate within the hearts of the people a heart of submission and a heart of worship and a heart of awe toward God. And after the, that great scene of the glory of God, the very next statement is mortal, human being. You are really getting in the book of Ezekiel this imbalance of the great glory of God and Ezekiel, you're a mortal. And in fact, as you go through the book of Ezekiel, you'll note that's almost always what God calls him. You barely see his name in the book. It is always son of man, human, mortal of flesh versus the eternal weight and glory of God. And so Ezekiel is being commissioned. And you might read that in verses 1 and 2, that seems a little bit strange. Now remember, Ezekiel is on his face. We talked about how Ezekiel has seen the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God in a vision. (laughs) And it has put him on the ground. And God's first response as he comes now to Ezekiel in this vision is, Hey mortal, stand on your feet. But notice how God goes about that happening as in verse 2. You're told that as God says that, the spirit enters into Ezekiel and picks him up. I always just love that visual. I just think of Ezekiel being horizontal and then just him going, (laughs) there he is now standing up. And, And why is God doing that? Why is God doing this? But already showing in this commissioning work that Your human weakness, you mortal Ezekiel, is able to be overcome by the power of God. Or to put this another way, a principle that is seen all throughout the Old and the New Testament is that God doesn't call people to do a work that they're unable to do. You know, God doesn't put before us and say, here, I want you to do something, even though there's absolutely no way you can do it. But instead, he's saying, I am going to give you the ability. I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to give you the strength for the task to go to the people of Israel and to teach them my words, to teach them my ways, to proclaim my judgments and to proclaim my message of hope. Or maybe to put it in a frame that we would understand with the parables. Jesus never comes and says to the two talent man, you should have produced 10 talents. You're always asked to do what is you are able to do. And that is what is God's doing here with Ezekiel is trying to use this vision to give him a picture that what you are about to do is very similar to the words that God gave to Zechariah and not by my by might or by my power. It's going to be by God's strength. It wouldn't be Zechariah in his prophetic words that accomplish it, nor would it be Zerubbabel that he's looking at this great task of rebuilding the temple. How can I do it? The message is, it's not going to be you. It's going to be me. The Lord is going to be able to do this. And so you're seeing that in these first two verses is that Ezekiel is on the ground and the spirit comes into him to give him this picture. I am going to give you the power and the strength that you need to do this task. And that's what's going to set the table for these four pictures now of why Ezekiel should not fear the task that is given to him. Now, you'll notice the first pictures given to us as we begin in verse three. He said to me, mortal, 
I am sending you to the people of Israel, to a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants are impudent and stubborn. I am sending you to them and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they shall know that there has been a prophet among them. And you, O mortal, do not be afraid of them and do not be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns surround you and you live among scorpions. Do not be afraid of their words and do not be dismayed by their looks, for they are a rebellious house. You shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. Did you catch a repetition there? Uh, This doesn't make sense on the surface. Ezekiel, I want you to do this work and I don't want you to be afraid. And the reason I don't want you to be afraid is because they're a rebellious house. Or to maybe be a little bit more precise, if you notice the words of verse four, don't be afraid of them and don't be afraid of their words. Even though what you're about to do is like sitting on briars and thorns and you are living among scorpions. Now, if I'm surrounded by scorpions, I don't go, well, I'm not afraid. No, I'm terrified. You just told me that what I'm about to do is going to be like living in thorns and being living among scorpions. Doesn't that mean I should be afraid? (laughs) How can you turn around and say, don't be afraid, even though this is the situation, that they are a rebellious house and it is going to be like living among thorns and briars and scorpions. One of the things that I think you're noticing God try to get across to them, get across to him in this repetition of they are a rebellious house. They are rebels. They have rebelled against me. They are stubborn. They are not listening is to help Ezekiel understand, I'm calling you to go and do this work, but their rejection's not about you. And that is a really important principle. You're going to go and live among scorpions and thorns. But the reason they're not going to listen to you is not because it has anything to do with you. They're not going to listen to you because they are rebellious people. That's why they're not going to listen. And you might remember you have God have to say those things on many occasions. Samuel was one of those who was so upset when the people rejected God as king and desired to have a king for themselves. And you might remember that the thing that God had to tell Samuel was, They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And I think that is sometimes hard because I think one of the reasons we are fearful of the work that is given to us and talking to people about God is we take the rejection personally. You must not like me or I'm messing it up and that's why they didn't hear. And I want you to see the the framework that God gives is that this isn't about us. This isn't about us having such a wonderful personality that that's why they're, they're just going to be in awe of everything that we say. He's telling Ezekiel, they're not going to listen 
Because they're a rebellious house. And that's why you shouldn't be afraid. Don't be afraid to talk to people. Don't be afraid to tell them about God. Because their rejection has absolutely nothing to do with you. It has absolutely nothing to do with you personally. So don't take it personally. But rather see that it is a rejection of God. And that is the first way that he's trying to encourage Ezekiel in this by saying, guess what? You're going among scorpions, so don't be afraid. Well, why should you not be afraid? Because they're scorpions. So what do you expect of that they're going to do? Of course, it's going to be a rejection. Of course, it's going to be hard. Of course, there's going to be pain. But that has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the rejection of God. And so that's the first picture that he gives to them. We don't have to be afraid in talking to people about God because any rejection has nothing to do with us. We can just shrug that off and go, they just don't want God. And it has nothing to do with us. Number two, verse nine or verse eight. But you, mortal, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. I looked and a hand was stretched out to me and a written scroll was in it. He spread it before me. It had writing on the front and on the back. And written on it were words of lamentation and mourning and woe. And he said to me, O mortal, eat what is offered to you. Eat the scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. And he said to me, mortal, eat this scroll that I give you and and let it fill your stomach with it. And so I ate it and in my mouth, it was as sweet as honey. Second picture that is given here and really neat visual that's given here. And so here's why I want you to not be afraid. And I want you to not be like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I'm about to give you. And you get a visual of him eating this scroll. And you will notice that this scroll is full. It is written on both sides. So this is an an overloaded message of God written on both sides. Not very typical in those days to write on both sides, usually on one side. And it says there it's full of lamentations and mourning and woe. But how interesting is it that when he eats it, it doesn't taste bad. It always tastes sweet because God's word's always sweet in scriptures. That's always that image. That Psalm 19 picture is being used here. Even though it was full of words that would be disturbing and, and woes and lamentation, he tastes it and it's sweet as honey. Well, what is God doing with this visual? What is he trying to communicate to Ezekiel to do this? The second reason that's given here about why Ezekiel shouldn't be afraid is because you have God's words. I am giving you my words and it's going to be my words that you are going to say to the people. In fact, when you get to the end of chapter three, you'll observe that it sounds like those were the only words Ezekiel was going to be allowed to say. It says that he was going to put him in cords and bind him and that the only time he was ever going to be able to talk was when prophecy was coming out. So nobody would, everybody would just be silent day in and day out. And when he talked, you knew God's words were coming out. And so that is the the hope that's being given here is that it is God's words that are truth. It is God's words that are going to be able to help people. And, And sometimes we are fearful of talking to people 
If you haven't thought it or said it, you've heard it. Say something like this. Well, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. And here is God's solution to that. Don't be afraid because you aren't saying your words. It's not about you knowing what to say. You're just going to say God's words. You're just going to say what God has to say. This is the best thing you can do is just go. It says right here. Are you trying to? I'm not trying to tell you anything. I love that defense. I say that to people all the time. If I'm teaching somebody and it's something hard. and Are you trying to tell me that I, I go, I am not trying to tell you anything. I'm not. It just says it right here. I'm not saying anything to you. You just take what it says. Because that's all Ezekiel's going to do. He's just going to walk around and go, here's what God's word says. I'm not throwing you my opinion, my think so's, my my great exposition or thought process. It's just, that's what it says. It says it in black and white right there. And so that's what we need to tell people. In fact, the New Testament tells us that very point is that when we speak to others, what are we supposed to be speaking? But the very words of God. We're supposed to be telling them, here's what God says. Not our think so's. Here's what God says. Now, here's the hard part of that. Our mission is not to tell people what they want to hear. You know, Ezekiel is not giving a book full of comfort and pillows and feathers. You know, oh, it's going to be great. No, it's, it's full of woe and lamentation. It's full of distress and judgment. It, it's not going to be comfortable, but it's the very words of God. And that's what we are going to do is we are going to depend upon that. And so we don't need to be afraid Because we have the truth. And the only thing we're telling people. Is what the truth says. And so it's not about, well, I don't know what to say. You don't have to know what to say. You don't have to come up with anything. You don't have to come up with a spiel. You don't have to come up with a plan. You don't have to come up with talking points. You don't have to come up with anything. You just have to go. Here's what it says. This is what it says. This is truth. And so Ezekiel, don't be afraid. You're not going to have to come up with some great lesson. Just speak the words of God. And so that is the second picture that is given here. And I know this can be so hard and certainly a great temptation for us to want to give people what they want to hear. And I submit to you that that is why we see so many in the religious world, denominational world, church world, all that, absolutely bending and contorting and changing everything, particularly about sexual sins, but far so many others as well, because we just want to tell people what they want to hear and nobody wants to go, it says right here that's wrong. And that's what we have to do. We have to tell people truth. And when they get upset, you go, well, it's not me. And I'm not going to take it personally. That's just what it says. This is what it says. I I can't change what it says. That's what it says. And that's what he's telling Ezekiel to do. You're going to a rebellious house. It's okay. Just speak the very words of God. Number three, verse four of chapter three. Chapter three, verse four of Ezekiel. He said to me, mortal, go to the house of Israel and speak 
my very words to them, for you are not sent to a people of obscure speech and difficult language, but to the house of Israel, not to many people of obscure speech and difficult language whose words you cannot understand. Surely if I sent you to them, they would listen to you. Can I just take a stop right there for a minute? He just said that Ezekiel would have more success if he talked to people who didn't speak the same language as him, then he will speaking to these people who do speak the same language. <laughs> That's pretty sharp. <laughs> you have a far better time saving people if you would just talk to people who don't even speak your language. It's unbelievable, the stubborn image that is given here in those words. Verse 7, uh, but the house of Israel will not listen to you, for they are not willing to listen to me, because... All the house of Israel have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. See, I have made your face hard against their faces and your forehead hard against their foreheads. Like the hardest stone, harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Do not fear them or be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. He said to be mortal. All these words that I speak to you, receive in your heart and hear with your ears. Then go to the exiles, to your people and speak to them. Say to them, thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or refuse to hear. And then the spirit lifted me up as the glory of the Lord rose from its place. And I heard behind me the sound of the loud rumbling. It was the sound of the wings of the living creatures brushing against one another and the sound of the wheels beside them that sounded like the loud rumbling. The spirit lifted me up and bore me away and I went in the bitterness and the heat of my spirit and the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. And I came to the exiles at Tel Abib who, have, who live in the river Kibar and I sat there among them stunned for seven days. Third picture that he gives why should Ezekiel not be afraid? Notice the picture is that God's going to make him strong. In saying there in verse 7, they are unwilling to listen. And notice the verse 7, it ends with, they have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. This is what you're coming up against. This, this job of yours is like running into a brick wall. And I do want you to notice that God doesn't say, and since they're so stubborn, just don't bother you know, just don't bother. Nobody's going to listen. Nobody's going to care. They've got hard foreheads and stubborn hearts. So, you know, just, just, just don't waste your breath. Notice he keeps emphasizing at the end of verse 11, whether they hear or refuse. We don't get to do the test of, well, they're not going to listen anyway, so I'm not going to bother. We don't get to pull that. We don't get to do the, well, you know, I just don't think they're going to care. He says, they're not going to care. They have hard foreheads and stubborn hearts. But did you notice verse 8 what God said he was going to do? He says, I'm going to give you a hard forehead too. <laughs> What's the point? I'm going to give you the strength you need. Yep, they're stubborn. Yep, they're like scorpions. Yep, it's like thorns. Yep, it's going to be tough. Yep, it's going to be difficult. They're not going to listen. They're rebellious. But God can give us the strength that we need so that we are able to be resilient. Please think about how many times God calls for people to be strong and that in get that call for strength, 
that what God says he's going to do is he will be there to give them the strength that we that they need. We talked about Moses. We already talked about Joshua in, in those very pictures. And I hope what that would do is it would encourage us to pray for strength and resiliency. We should add that into our prayer life more. We should speak to God more and say, give me the strength that I need. To say what I need to say and do what I need to do. I know that I'm going up against someone who is stubborn and difficult and hard headed. Give me the strength that I need to go against that and keep being resilient. That is a great picture that is given to us here to Ezekiel. Ezekiel, they got strong foreheads, but I can make your forehead strong too. I can give you the strength that you need. And Paul told us to do that. Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You need this whole armor of God to be able to withstand. God can give us the strength that we need. So don't be afraid because you're not depending upon yourself. You're depending upon God. God will give me the strength that I need to talk to this person. And yeah, I've talked to them 50 times, but I'm going to go for 51 because Lord... You want me to do it. And I know that you can give me the strength that I need. It's telling Ezekiel, don't just discard the idea that they're stubborn. So there's nothing to do. You be resilient and look to the strength that God supplies. That's the third reason he gives to not be afraid. And you'll notice in chapter three and verse 15, this ends the vision sequence. And Ezekiel now is just back in his Mind in, in the river Kibar there in Babylon after taking this amazing vision sequence of the glory of God and receiving this commission. And, and he is sitting there for seven days, but, but God has another word for him after those seven days. And verse 16 says, at the end of the seven days, the word of the Lord came to me, mortal. I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die and you give them no warning or speak to warn the wicked from their wicked ways in order to save their lives. Those wicked persons shall die for their iniquity, but their blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked and they do not turn for their wickedness or from their wicked way, they shall die for their iniquity, but you will have saved your life. Again, if the righteous turn from their righteousness and commit iniquity and I lay a stumbling block before them, they shall die because you have not warned them. They shall die for their sin and their righteous deeds for which they have done shall not be remembered, but their blood I will require at your hand. If, however, you warn the righteous not to sin and they do not sin, they shall surely live because they have took warning and you shall have saved your life. Fourth picture. Why not to be afraid? Because you're delivering your soul. The reason to not be afraid is that Ezekiel will be delivering his soul. You will notice that there is a degree of responsibility given to Ezekiel to warn the people. Now, the watchman image is important to conjure up for our minds. So you think about ancient times and you think about a watchman who is posted on the walls. What is his whole job? 
but to watch for intruders, watch for enemies, watch for invasion. Stay awake and watch for them coming. And if you see the invaders coming, what's the watchman supposed to do? Tell everybody quickly, tell everybody, get ready, warning, they're coming, we're about to be under attack. I need to tell everybody what's going on. That is the whole job of pointing out the warning. It would be a catastrophic failure to have a watchman on the wall, seeing the impending doom, and him sit there and go, well, that's a shame. And just sit there and watch the whole city go down without saying a word. That's the whole image that's being given here about the responsibility is he's saying you are going to be held responsible for not giving the warning. Now, notice he doesn't say, no, you're going to bear their sin. No, they're still responsible for what they've done. That doesn't fall on you. But Ezekiel, you have a job. And your job is to tell people what I'm saying, to give them the warning. And he says, if you don't give them the warning, then there's going to be some accountability to you for not telling them. Now, I think God has to say that to Ezekiel because Ezekiel needs to be encouraged to go. I think he's just as fearful as everybody else about having to do this, about how hard it's going to be. And yet this is the call that is given to him. And, and, And friends, one of the ways to not be afraid is to see that we are carrying out the work that God has given us to do. And we do have a responsibility to give the warning to the world, to take advantage of the opportunities to tell people about that. And the New Testament confirms that very idea. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said as he is leaving the Ephesian elders and meeting with them there in Acts 20. He says, And now I know that none of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of you all. Why? Because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. Notice Paul says, I'm not going to see you again, but that's okay because I sent the warning. I proclaimed to you the message. And therefore, I'm innocent because I told you God's plan. James says something similar. James 5, verse 19. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. That's strong imagery. That is some strong imagery of needing to tell people and give them the warning. And so Paul spoke that way and James spoke that way, that we do have this responsibility that is laid upon us. We cannot be afraid to do the work because we know not only are we desiring to save other people's souls, we don't want to be accountable either. I don't know that it's in this song because I haven't heard it here. I remember it growing up. It is the most terrifying invitation song you can ever, ever, ever lead. You've never mentioned him to me is a dreadful song if you think about the words. Because the whole song gives this whole picture of standing before God on the day of judgment. And someone that you know turns to you and says, you never mentioned him to me. 
I don't know how we made that a song. <laughs> it is just a terrifying, gut-wrenching, heart-sinking image to think about. We don't want that. We don't want that accountability. And that's what he's telling Ezekiel. It doesn't matter if they say no or say yes. That's not your responsibility. That's not for you to worry about. That's not your concern. All your concern is, is to sound the warning. To say, here's what God says. And so the four reasons that he gave here to not be afraid. Number one, they're not rejecting you. I know it feels that way. Trust me, I know it feels that way. It feels that way a lot. But they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. Don't be afraid. This has nothing to do with you. It has a rejection of God. Two, don't be afraid. It's not about you coming up with something to say. Just say what God says. Just point people to the scriptures and show them what God has said. Number three, God can make you strong when you're afraid. God can give you the strength you need when you feel that timidity. And I encourage you when you feel that fear, when you need that courage to pray to God and look for the strength that God can supply. And number four, you're delivering your soul. That you are not being held accountable for the work that has been given to us to sound the warning, tell people about the impending judgment and the good news of hope of being saved from the judgment to come. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I pray for each one of us here that you would give us a spirit of strength and boldness and courage to open our mouths and to share the good news to the world. And Lord, we can feel like we're among thorns and briars and scorpions. And Lord, I pray that you would impress upon our hearts that that does not absolve us of the need to tell the world about you. Help us to speak your words even into the darkest darkness and give the warning about the future to come. And Lord, forgive us for when we have allowed fear to control us, a fear of rejection, a fear of loss, fear of losing friendship, a worry about what people may think, instead of having a desire to tell people about you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would make us strong, that you'd give us the ability to see that there's no reason to fear. Lord, put your words in our mouths and let us be so saturated with your words so that we would speak to the world exactly what you want the world to hear. Help us in the mission and help us to be the ambassadors for your son that you want us to be. And it's through your son we pray this tonight. Amen. We'll sing an invitation song and we invite you to come to